Hi, my name is Amanda Panacea, and you're listening to the Healer Revolution podcast. This is a community for self-healers, biohackers, practitioners, and any other helping professionals. You're in the right place if you're seeking conversations about how pain becomes passion, the connection between physical, energetic, mental, and our spiritual self, finding your body's ancient wisdom, the latest biohacking technologies, clinical research, and if you just want to nerd out about complex biochemistry and quantum physics. But this is also for entrepreneurs who seek infinite abundance and a supportive community. So pour a cup of King Coffee or Sistus Tea and let's join the revolution. Hello, my healers. Welcome to the Healer Revolution. I am your host, Amanda Panacea, and I'm really excited today to introduce one of my friends, Tara Coughlin. She is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, master MFT practitioner, which stands for Morphic Field Technique, and a medical intuitive energy healer. She has an extensive experience with using muscle response testing to create bio-individual protocols for clients struggling with chronic health challenges and has recently expanded her intuitive abilities to look deeper into the body and find the emotional energetic blocks that are often preventing the body from healing. She integrates theta healing in order to shift subconscious beliefs that may be affecting the healing process. She blends these healing modalities in an intuitive way and has given her a way to effect deep change and healing on all levels for her clients. She truly loves her work and is deeply fulfilled by helping people heal and step fully into their soul's purpose in life. Her current focus is teaching other practitioners to excel in their muscle testing and intuitive abilities. So we have a really enjoyable and fascinating conversation. I really hope you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Healer Revolution. I am Amanda Panacea, and I am super excited to introduce one of my friends, Tara Coughlin. She has some really unique skills and a really incredible story. So I'm so excited to get to know you. Hi, Tara. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, super excited to hear a little bit more about your story, how you got here, some of the adversaries you had to overcome and limiting beliefs. I know we talked about it a little bit um, the other day, which was super insightful, but I'm thrilled to hear kind of like the full picture of how your practice unfolded and, you know, how you got here basically. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So it's always hard to consolidate, you know, our stories because there's so much, but basically I would say that I considered myself a low energy person my whole life. I just, you know, I just thought that was me. I just never had a lot of energy. But other than that, I didn't really have a lot of, you know, specific symptoms. I just never felt that great. And what I did experience most of my life, starting with, you know, being a teenager was very, very high social anxiety. So that was kind of my primary thing that was a health issue, but I I honestly just thought it was part of my personality. Like I just thought, oh, I guess I'm just really shy and, you know, my voice would tremble, my face would turn red, my whole body would, you know, go into 
just a panic mode in certain scenarios. And that was just kind of a constant for me throughout my life until, gosh, when did my health journey really begin? It was close to age 40 where I just began, I get, I got to the point where I just, I couldn't accept that my health was just, you know, feeling not great always. And I knew there had to be more. So I just kind of went down that rabbit hole of searching for answers as so many of us do. So during most of my thirties, I was managing my parents' restaurant an Irish pub working 60, 70 hour weeks, you know, physically grueling, very stressful as you can imagine. And so that kind of uh, pushed my health even further, you know, down to a point where my body just really crashed. And so it was right around the time that I turned 40. And that was kind of the milestone for me where I just thought, okay, something has to give, like, this can't be the way I feel. This can't be my life anymore. So I committed to changing my life. And so I started with uh, basically just going like keto paleo. That was my first, you know, kind of nutritional endeavor. And it was amazing. I mean, truly changed my life in so many ways. Depression went away within like six weeks. My brain fog was gone. It's funny how there are symptoms there that you don't realize <laughs> until they're, you know, relieved. And then you're like, oh, huh. I was really feeling like crap in many more ways. So that was the beginning. So I started to feel better. And then all of a sudden things got worse where I didn't understand enough about my body to know that my liver was really overwhelmed. I mean, heavy metals, you know, not methylating, still living a very high stress lifestyle, liver flukes, gallstones, you know, you name it. It was a, a problem that I didn't discover until, you know, kind of gradually down the road of discovery. So what I had to do was enroll in the Nutritional Therapy Association. So that was amazing. I learned a ton. So became a, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. It's quite the mouthful. And after I graduated, I quit the job managing the restaurant, which had to happen in order for me to, to actually truly begin the healing. So then I had to take about a year off of work. Like I really couldn't function. My body was still in fight or flight all the time. If I got a text or a phone call, my heart would start racing. It was an extreme leveling of anxiety that wasn't being relieved by any of the adrenal support or any of the things that I was doing. So, you know, what was the answer to that? Probably many, many, many things. Actually, King Coffee was the number one thing that helped. And so I would imagine looking back that I was not making enough GABA. I think that that was kind of the key with the anxiety, among other things. So during that year that I took off, I was determined to learn as much as I could in the time that I was resting and healing. So I started learning MFT, morphogenic field technique, muscle testing, uh, and it was transformative. I mean, I started 
doing the protocols that my body tested for. And I started healing faster than, you know, anything that I had done previously. So I dove into that head first and have spent most of the past two to three years um, really kind of just immersing myself in muscle testing. And so I love it. I love it so much. It's amazing to be able to talk to the body's energy field and figure out exactly what the body's asking for. And I had a ton of success with clients using those protocols. However, there was still that percentage of people where it was frustrating because nothing seemed to work. So their body would test for something and then they would try to take the protocol and then they would have all of these reactions and, or just, they didn't get better. Right. So they would take all of the supplements and just, there wasn't an improvement and I couldn't figure out like, okay, why, why it was so frustrating to me and for them because they were really doing all the right things and being devoted to trying to heal. But the common denominator was emotional trauma. So last year, I started muscle testing people for emotional modalities. And this was really a game changer in a lot of ways where I would just ask, you know, emotion code or MBSR or things like DNRS or, you know, there's so many different modalities, but I would just ask what the body needed And I would refer people out and a lot of them would improve, but still there would be some people where literally nothing seems to work. So I was kind of stumped and, you know, I knew that there was more that I needed to learn, but I just didn't know what direction to go in. So then I got COVID over Christmas. So I was forced to take a pause, a long pause. It was most of January that I was trying to get my brain to go back to normal. Couldn't really focus, you know, kind of just in general, cognitive symptoms were a big issue. Couldn't focus enough to be able to test people from a distance like I could before, but everything is meant to happen for a reason. So now I'm like, oh, that was the pause that I needed in order to stop working, take my attention off of just being busy, 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 and open myself up to, okay, where am I being guided? So at that point, near the end of January, my friend Carly sent me the information for a medical intuition course. And she said, okay, the guides are letting me know that this is for you. And so I looked at it and I was like, hmm, okay, this looks really interesting. But I'm not psychic. (laughs) I I don't have these gifts, you know? And so, but I I took the leap. I was like, okay, I'm going to sign up for it and let's just see how it goes. And so on the first day of the course, I was really doubting my abilities and, and a lot of the people were that were in that course. But by day two, it was just like, my intuition just opened up. I mean, it's hard to explain, but I could see my guides. I could hear my guides literally just as if I'm speaking with you and clear as day. I mean, it was just amazing. 
And so I learned how to work with them. And so there are divine and sacred spirit guides and literally their work is to uh, help us to look into the body and see what's there and show us how to resolve it. So after that, I dove fully into medical intuition and I had already been learning theta healing kind of on my own, just through Vianna Stiebel's books. And so for those that don't know, theta healing is reprogramming uh, subconscious beliefs. And so I started to interweave the two techniques and really they're both similar in a lot of ways. It's just that the medical intuition is more of like looking into the body and seeing what's there and resolving things energetically. And then theta healing is more about finding what the belief is that might be blocking healing, blocking love, blocking abundance, you know, whatever it might be and shifting that energetically. So you really, you do need both because in so many ways it is our beliefs that are holding us back from healing. So I started just intuitively kind of piecing it all together. And then most recently bringing back in the MFT. So I'm utilizing it all together, but the supplements always come last. So the energetic, emotional factors are resolved first. And then if there are some supplements needed, it's just, it's a way smaller protocol. It's like one or two things. It's no big deal. And people do really well with it. So it's a whole new world to say the least. And I am just so grateful that I've been guided on this path and really that, that this is my true soul's purpose. And so part of my goal for helping people heal is really helping them heal so that they can step fully into their purpose. Because when we're clouded by chronic illness and we don't feel good and we have no energy, how can we fulfill, you know, what we're meant to do? So that's really where I've gotten super clear on like, what is my purpose and what am I meant to be doing? So yeah, there you have it. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. That's such an incredible story. And you made some really amazing points that first of all, I wanted to to reiterate that there's really no age limit to when you can learn these skills. And, you know, even if you don't think that you're, uh, you have intuition or you feel very shut down from your body, or you maybe have no idea what health even means that even, even a little bit later in life that you can still like completely transform your life and your career and relearn or unlearn and then relearn how to tap into that intuition. So thank you for sharing. Yes, you're so welcome. And that's a really important point to make because when I was about 38, 39, I was so deeply unhappy in my life. I drank massive amounts of alcohol to cope. I mean, I can't even tell you how many hangovers I've had in my life because I was living somebody else's purpose, you know, my parents' restaurant, that wasn't what I was meant to be doing. And I thought at 38, it's too late to do something new, you know? And then all of a sudden I hit 40 and I was like, no, like I can't do this anymore. (laughs) 
So here I am five years later and I absolutely love what I'm doing. And I, you know, I would say you can start over at 50, at 55, at 60, like there's no limit. So absolutely. That's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. And then something else I really love about your story is I think a lot of us go through this is we get sick or something happens and we immediately gravitate towards what's wrong physically. And we try to figure that out. We become just like so obsessed. We change our diet. We change some of our like lifestyle. We go through all the physical things that it could be. And then we come up like, okay, well, I got a little bit better, but it's not a hundred percent. What else is missing? And then you find that link with emotional uh, health and the nervous system. And then you might go even deeper into like the subconscious beliefs, generational programming, society programming. And you really start to unravel like all the little intricate weavings that got you to that point. And it's just such an awakening experience. It's very painful and very traumatic, I think for most people too, but always at the end of it, you feel exactly how you just said, like so much purpose and so much joy and living a life that you actually like love getting up for at the, in the beginning of the day. Yes, I agree completely. And absolutely. It's not easy. (laughs) You know, last year I, I started doing quite a bit of emotional work and I remember doing a session with my friend, Jamie, where she walked me through some inner child work. And I was just like, I hate this. Like, I absolutely do not want to do this, you know, because I had to go back and walk through a a very painful memory. But afterwards, what's really fascinating, I wear an aura ring. So I track my sleep and HRV and all that. The night after we did the inner child work where I was like, you know, this is icky. This is uncomfortable. I don't ever want to do this again. My HRV went through the roof high. Like, I mean, the change in my HRV was something that I had not witnessed before. And I was like, wow, okay. So I can just see a tangible physical result of the healing we just did through inner child work. And so then after that, I kind of embraced it, even though I was like, okay, sometimes these moments are painful, but what we gain from it is knowing ourselves more deeply. And it just feels like an honorance of self to say like, you know what, this may be uncomfortable for me, but I'm not going to numb it anymore. And I'm, I'm going to dive in and do what needs to be done and trust that I'm going to come out on the other side and be better, you know? So yeah, the healing journey, it's not all love and light and flowers and unicorns for sure, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Right. And that's really important to point out too. Sometimes when we, we need to process old things, we learned a long time ago to just shut down our emotions. Don't feel it brush it under the rug, keep on moving, keep your head up. And then when we actually do process it, it can be painful. You could have like a lot of symptoms come up. You could just have like strange movements, even (laughs) the nervous system, the body, it releases things in sometimes very strange ways. But the more you resist that, the more you're going to hold on to that and not process it. So just like letting it flow and allowing yourself to feel it, 
and letting it out is going to be more beneficial than if you try to resist and say, that's bad. I don't want to feel that. I don't want a symptom and just not labeling it bad, just letting it, letting it resolve itself. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that for me, the biggest healing has been in allowing myself to cry. Like I shut all my emotions off for so many years. Friends and family would have probably described me as, you know, very even keeled, apathetic, even like I just didn't experience highs and lows. I just literally was neutral about everything, but that's not, you know, living the human experience. But I had just learned like my mom was very tough on me and I love her dearly, but she was very much no nonsense. And, you know, why are you being so sensitive and what are you crying for? And after a certain amount of dismissal of emotions, you learn to turn them off. So that's what I had done. And it wasn't until last year that I actually was able to cry. And I actually did some subconscious work with a colleague of mine. And he said, "Um, you don't really feel much, do you? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, no, (laughs) no. And he said, okay, well, let's, you know, so he did some subconscious work to basically give me permission to feel safe in experiencing sadness and expressing and allowing myself to cry. And so now I can cry and it's still a little foreign to me. It's like, I I naturally want to make myself stop, you know, but you know, we're meant to, it's, it's there for a reason. We're meant to, to let it out. So yeah, I would say that acknowledging our humanness and that emotions are not bad and that we don't need to shut them off, I think is really key to being able to progress for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. And I really resonate with that as well. Everyone was always like, you're so calm. You're so chill. The guys would say, you're so cool. Like, well, it's because I've shut everything down and I don't feel anything anymore. (laughs) And also, I think allowing yourself to even feel the good things like joy and playfulness and pleasure, that's also very important or that's also very hard. If you've shut down the hard emotions, it gets harder to feel even the good ones as well. So I really resonate with that, like numb feeling that you're describing just like, whatever, I don't really care. (laughs) And that, that can also go into maybe why you were attracted to alcohol too. I know that was one of the big reasons I was attracted to alcohol because it, it felt exciting. Like Mm -hmm. I felt something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think that alcohol allowed me to let go of my inhibitions, cut loose. I would definitely be like more feisty, more fun. You know, I think I developed a belief that I'm not fun without alcohol, which I Mm -hmm. think is a really common thing. And I've still struggled with alcohol on and off for the past few years. It's funny how sometimes I'll go months without even thinking about it. And it's just not something that I even care about. And then somehow I end up, you know, falling back into the pattern of a couple of glasses of wine and then it's three glasses of wine. And then it's, you know, 
And all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, why am I drinking again? (laughs) And acknowledging the pattern of using alcohol as a stress reliever. And so, you know, now if I do drink too much, I recognize that there's something that needs to be uncovered beneath the why. And when all things are calm in my life emotionally, I can take it or leave it. You know, it's not something that's a problem for me. And so if it does kind of rear its ugly head, I'm like, okay, what needs to be seen here? And I get clear on that. So, you know, it's one of those things I thought for a while I would need to cut it out completely of my life forever. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think it's more of getting into the depths of like why it affects you a certain way. And also like right now, I don't even have any desire for it, even just in a social way. Like I just, you know, it's nice to have a glass of wine with a nice dinner or something to that effect, but I don't even want that right now. And I think it's because I don't want to dull my senses. I don't want to, I can just right now, they're just showing me the synapses in the brain kind of like lit up and sparkling and like, you know, just ready to receive information. And then like drinking is just going to dampen that. So I'm fulfilled right now completely in the work that I'm doing. So I don't feel like I need an escape, which I think for the most part, alcohol has been that for me. Mm -hmm. So it's all a learning experience. And I think for each person, it's different with, you know, the reasons why they might, might want to drink. But I think for most it's escaping something uncomfortable. Yeah. And for me, a lot of it was to have fun. So I also had that belief that I was more fun and things were more fun with alcohol. And I think that that is just ingrained into us. Like when you watch movies now, everyone's drinking constantly in movies. They walk into a new room, pour a drink. And I didn't notice it until I quit drinking and was like, what is going on? Yeah, (laughs) Everything on television, like ads, everyone has alcohol. Always. I know. I've thought the same thing, especially with shows where you know, they might be like CIA agents or they've got some like really important task, but they're drinking like straight liquor every night. And I'm like, (laughs) how are they going to like save the world with a hangover? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, realistically, that doesn't make sense, but it's true. It's pervasive in every single show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you just brought up your guides and I'm so glad you did because I wanted to talk about them a little bit more. I was not aware of, I mean, I grew up, was raised in a Roman Catholic household. And so we had God and we had like maybe angels, you know, maybe when people die, they become an angel, but I didn't really start hearing about quote unquote guides until maybe the last like five to 10 years. And they're just very fascinating to me. And I would like for you to kind of explain like, what is a guide? Does everyone have one? Can everyone tap into it? You know, give us some more information about maybe yours as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I too was raised Catholic, lived in Ireland as a child. So I was taught by nuns and, you know, church was part of school and all of that. So 
And that never resonated with me from an early age, but going through my life, I always felt like there must be a higher power. I just wasn't sure of, you know, what exactly does that look like? So I knew nothing about spirit guides until 2020. I mean, I had heard people talk about them, but I wasn't in the spiritual community. I didn't know anything about it. And my friend Carly, who you know, is very gifted. She was able to talk to my spirit guide and she actually helped to uh, guide me to Colorado because I was given the guidance that I needed a new start to move out of Oregon and be somewhere completely new. And this is where I ended up. So, so all of that was brand new to me. And what I will tell you is I don't have all of the answers. I just know what's been shown to me. Right. So yes, we all have spirit guides. I don't know if people have the same spirit guide from birth all through life. Like I had different spirit guides two years ago than I do now, but I've called in um, kind of higher ranking spirit guides that specialize in medical intuition and healing. So from Tina Zion's medical intuition course, and she has been doing psychic work and medical intuition for, I don't know, her whole life, like probably 40 years. What she teaches is that there are many guides, but in some ways they may be kind of just like spirits of people who have decided to be guides. And so, yes, they're helping you, but they might not be like the, the expert that you might, you know, hope for. And so there's like ranking in the angelic realm where these master guides that I'm working with, they are specialists in what I'm doing. So they're equipped to help me discern, you know, things in the body that need healing. And so their designation is divine and sacred. And so when you call them in, that's how you discern that you are working with the right guide. So if they, they can't lie. So if you ask, are you divine and sacred? They have to say yes or no. They cannot lie. So if they're not divine and sacred, they might just be like a regular guide and they want to help, but you can just kindly dismiss them and say, you know, thank you, but no, thank you. <laughs> and then ask for that higher tier of a medical intuitive specialist guide that is divine and sacred. And so they're going to be the best of the best. So that is who I'm working with. And so the two guides that were with me a couple of years ago, they've gone on to help other people and they were, they were wonderful, but they're just not specialized in what I need the assistance with now. So that is what I have learned. Um, and then angels pop in from time to time and pretty much act as guides, like they kind of have similar roles. They tend to be more protective though, where guides are more giving you information and kind of showing you possibilities of things that you might like to think about or know about. And the angels tend to be more protective. So that is, that's kind of been my experience so far in this, in this realm. 
So is a guide different than an angel? Yes. And have you had to give up coffee for health reasons? Maybe because of the stress it was putting on your adrenals, maybe because it was messing with your sleep, maybe because you felt terrible after drinking it, or maybe because you were told coffee had mold on the beans and you needed to stay away from mold. Well, what if I told you there's an organic, mycotoxin-free, quality coffee that contains reishi spores or Ganoderma lucidum? Ganoderma lucidum helps to modulate your immune system, adapt to stress, balance hormones, and doesn't give you the jitters or shakes like regular coffee used to. Sounds too good to be true, right? It's called King Coffee by the company Organo. And King Coffee came into my life when I was struggling with chronic hives, full body eczema, and mast cell activation syndrome. I hadn't drank coffee in years because it made me feel anxious, shaky, and clammy. So I had no expectations that drinking King Coffee would be any different. However, I decided to give it a try after seeing lots of amazing practitioners talk about the benefits of reishi online. I tried a seven-day sample and the chronic hives were gone by day five. I was in shock. After that, I dove into the research on reishi and found that there are over 3,000 peer-reviewed PubMed clinical trials using reishi ganoderma as an intervention. The company Organo also has a patent protected on their harvesting process. They double crack open the spore shells, which makes them up to 80% more potent than the body of the reishi, which is usually used in other reishi products. This also makes the spores 90% more bioavailable for your body to use. If you would like to try King Coffee, visit thehealerrevolution.myorganogold.com or for a seven-day trial, you can check out my link tree on my Instagram at Amanda Panacea. The way that I kind of think of it in my head, let me know if this is totally wrong or not, is that guides maybe are more, much, much more ancient angelic creatures. Like they've been around for much, much longer? Yeah. So let's see. Let me just ask <laughs> if they want to explain it in their own words. Yes. Okay. So what they're saying is guides typically have lived human lives. So they are spirits that have lived, they're saying many, 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 many human lives, typically more than 200 approximately human lives to a point that they've learned everything that they wanted to learn in their human experiences. And now they wish to serve in a higher capacity. So, and then once they become a guide, yeah. Okay. They're saying that once they become a guide, they also have, they're not saying years because time is, is different in the angelic realm, but a certain amount of experience needs to be learned as a guide before they can be classified as a divine and sacred master guide. And so there's a progression there in their learning experience also. And then angels, they're saying is different. Angels are created by the divine creator for the purpose of protection, overseeing the safety of the human race. And so the angels are, they have not lived human lives. 
typically. They're saying every now and then an angel might be sent to live a human life for a certain purpose. They're saying this is what is called an ascended master. So they they were an angel. They chose to come live a human life for a certain purpose. And then they ascended back to the angelic realm to continue their role as an angel. So, yes. And they're, they're saying sometimes it's difficult to explain these things in terms that we as humans um, understand because we almost think of it as like, okay, what's our job? Like, <laughs> you know, but in as simple terms as, as they can explain, that is kind of the, the differing roles that they play. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up. That makes sense. And so what are some of the most like eye-opening, bizarre, belief-challenging things you learned in the process of like developing this intuition and speaking with guides? Hmm. That's a good question. (laughs) That is a good question. It's like, okay, where do we begin? So probably learning about negative entities has been very eye-opening for me. So negative entities can be wayward spirits that are what we would consider ghosts, just basically people who have passed, who are still kind of trapped or lost in the earth plane, and they haven't found their way back to God's light. Or for some reason... And that's typically with the fallen entities. So in theta healing, they designate them as wayward, where basically they're just lost spirits or fallen entities, where these are spirits where maybe they were not the best people when they were living and they don't have very good intentions in the spirit world. And they have turned away from God's light. With wayward spirits, a lot of the time, what I will do is just call in the guides and ask them to show the spirit how to get back to the creator's light. And usually they're, you know, very happy to be kind of guided in that direction. Uh, The fallen entities can be a little bit more troublesome and often malicious. In fact, I myself had an entity Uh, hiding in my body from the age of 23. And it was hidden so well that it took a while for it to become apparent that it was even there because my body had accepted it as self. And this entity actually was over all of those years kind of um, encouraging me to drink like A lot of the time when people have these addictions, depression, things like that, there could be an entity there that is exacerbating their emotions and kind of inflaming their ego. So that was a big thing for me to realize and to release and kind of mind blowing that that had been with me for all of that time. And so I've seen things like that um, many times now with clients. In fact, today I released an entity from a dog (laughs) 
I, I was actually doing a session for a family, a mom and her two kids. And the dog came in and sat next to the boy. And immediately they showed me that there was some interference in the energetic field. And when I looked there, there was a negative entity that had been with the dog for three years. And the mom was just like, I actually was, she told me, she was like, I was going to book a session specifically for the dog because I thought there was something, you know? So it's just mind blowing to me um, how much, once you start to understand the energetic world and what could be affecting you, how much is not your own and it can be released. And then you get back to being yourself and it's just, it's pretty mind blowing. So yeah, there's a whole world of things that we just never could see, but a lot of people sense these things and they just don't know how to put their finger on it. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you get a lot of people who question you or they say like, well, you're making this up. I don't believe you. This doesn't exist. Or do you tend to get people who are like very open Yes, it was a big fear for me to step into this work and start doing it because I was anticipating judgment from, you know, people that have different beliefs. And, you know, I don't blame people for being skeptical. I mean, we only know what we know and our beliefs are built on our experiences in our life, right? So, and I'm sure that I will run into people that, you know, denounce the work that I'm doing or they just don't want to open their mind to it. And then that's okay. You know, I think um, we're all meant to discover things in divine timing. I mean, I probably wouldn't have been open to spiritual work if you asked me, you know, six or seven years ago. So um, all of that to say the clients that are open to this work are just naturally drawn to me. And now that I've been talking about it on my Instagram and kind of sharing a little bit more about what I do, I just trust that if it doesn't resonate, you know, people will just kind of roll along and either not follow or just go with the practitioner where it fits more in line with their beliefs. And that's totally fine. And then I've had you know, friends and clients who actually are very deeply Christian and they're still like, Hey, you know what, Tara, like, I'm so proud of you for doing like what feels right to you and what you've been shown. And even if it doesn't resonate with them, they're not judging me. So I think that I was anticipating more judgment than I've actually received. And so I think sometimes you know, we might create some fears in our mind that are not necessarily valid. And I think most people want to be, want to be respectful of other beliefs. I mean, I don't judge anyone for what they believe. And I think that the majority of people don't. So, and if a client doesn't trust or isn't open to this kind of spiritual work, I wouldn't even encourage them to book or I would let them know like, Hey, maybe this isn't in alignment and that's totally okay. You know? So yeah, to each their own, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. 
So now I want to ask you a little bit about like your business setup, because this is also something that I like getting to know, like how people have set this up, because I think when you're first starting out and you decide to become an entrepreneur or go into some sort of private practice, you, they don't teach you that in any school. So you're kind of like, all right, I'm just going to see as many people as I possibly can and hope people want to work with me. And then a year or two later, you just feel incredibly burnt out and you have to kind of go back to the drawing boards. And you kind of touched on this already that this happened to you once or twice in your life. So I would love if you could explain like what your day-to-day, what your day-to-day calendar looks like. Yeah, absolutely. This was huge for me because uh, when I started taking clients in 2020, Clients started rolling in faster than I was even prepared for. I didn't even have a scheduling system set up. It was like, I started working with like 10 clients. And then two months later, I had 60 clients. And then two months later, I had over 100 clients. And I was not prepared for how quickly word of mouth would spread. And I just said yes to every single client. And I wanted to help literally everyone. So what I ended up doing was, it's funny, I kind of scheduled it as if it was a dental office. So in my 20s, I was a dental assistant and I worked front desk. And so I was used to scheduling. And at the dentist office, you just, you book every possible slot, right? It's like, it's like, oh yeah, we've got an opening. Here you go. We're just going to make this work, squeeze you in. It doesn't work like that when you don't have a front desk staff, you don't have uh, someone to drop ship your supplements, to do your bookkeeping, to manage your own energy. And yet I was scheduling it like that. So yeah, I burned out big time. And I also realized that earlier last year, when I was starting to feel depleted, I ignored all the signs and all the guidance because I was given guidance early in last year to say, Tari, you're not supposed to work Mondays. Like that needs to be an admin day, a catch up day, you know, flex day. And what did I do? I kept scheduling people because they would say, oh, well, Monday is my day off or I can't do such a day or. And so I kept ignoring my own needs and putting people wherever it worked for them on my schedule. And this was incredibly depleting because what you were telling yourself over and over is my needs don't really matter. All that matters is the client. And that ends up not serving them because you're so depleted, you can't be the practitioner (laughs) that they need you to be. So in my attempt to try to help everyone, I actually ended up having to release a lot of my clients in December and then release everybody in January. I I ended up releasing my entire practice partially because of the burnout, partially because my energy was being depleted by no longer being in alignment with just doing the muscle testing. It's like the guides had to show me by kind of taking away my energy in order to like make me stop (laughs) and, you know, take a moment to focus on something new. So all of that to say now what my week looks like is Mondays I keep open for whatever might come up. 
So I might do a session if I choose, or I might do just working on content or just learning. You know, that was the big thing too. Last year, I didn't have time or energy to learn anything new because I was always tired. So now I keep Monday as a flex day. And then my energy is always better earlier in the day. So I have my schedule open between like nine and two. I really try not to schedule anything after three. It just doesn't serve my energy best. And if I'm not at my best, then it's a disservice to the client. So I've really learned that I need to stick with those boundaries. So right now I'm keeping my schedule open Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Wednesday, just kind of like a three hour day, like maybe like 12 to three, something like that. And then Friday again is kind of a flex day where I'll put someone there if needed. But what I do is I tune in to my own self and I just ask, you know, for my best energy, how many sessions should I be doing per week right now? And right now they're telling me like five or six, like, you know, and the thing is, these sessions are very deep healing where you can't just do these back to back all day, not for my energy. And also in one session, the client is receiving a lot. I mean, it's sometimes, I mean, it could be life-changing. It could be something that you might have been struggling with for the past 10 years. And we found the root of it in one session. And so energetically, the monetary value is higher. And with my pricing also, I ask myself and the guides. So I'm tuning into my own self and the guides and getting kind of a cohesive opinion on what is the best price, not only for my own energy, but also for the highest advancement of the client. Because when they're investing in themselves, that is part of the healing. And so that's how I find my pricing. That's how I find my schedule. And I actually also do mentorship sessions for other practitioners where that's one of the things that we can tune into for them because often our own ego is blocking what we really should be doing because our ego is saying, no, no, I can do it. I can do six, seven, eight sessions a day, five days a week, you know? And then your soul is saying, no, no, please, (laughs) you know? So feeling into what you're truly meant to be doing energetically to support, you know, your best, your best self is key to not getting burnt out. Yeah. That's a really lovely schedule. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I think that's really important for all of us to hear, to really tune in and figure out what, how much money do you need to make to be satisfied with the work you're doing and also to attract the appropriate type of people that are going to resonate with you. So you won't be able to help everybody, but if you can make a really substantial difference in a smaller amount of people, you're still going to be doing purposeful work. You're still going to be making an impact. And what happens is that those people that you help and that you teach and uh, guide, they actually become really inspired and then they take what they've learned from you and they move on to help other people. Yes, absolutely. The ripple effect. I Mm -hmm. love it. 
Well, and I know that I can't truly reach the income that I desire to make through one-on-ones. It's not, I mean, it's always trading time for money. And so um, what I've been shown too, is that my purpose is to really be teaching. So in order to be able to work on my group offerings, which are already in play, they're being created as we speak in my mind and soon to come into fruition, I need the time and space to work on those group offerings so that I can teach and help more people, but I won't be able to do that if I'm booked up consistently all week long with one-on-one sessions. And so that's where sometimes we have to look at the way our practice is set up and think, okay, what needs to shift? What needs to evolve and think outside the box as to what are the other ways that I can help more people without just taking on more one-on-one sessions? Mm-hmm, exactly. And do you have anything coming up that you're working on? Like you said, teaching, mentoring? Yes. So there's a lot of things that I've been thinking about teaching. I think that the first thing I want to do, which would probably just be like a small group session, maybe 10 people on a call, would be teaching energy practitioners some of the key things that I've learned as far as properly cleansing your field and making sure that you don't have attachments to clients. And I think a lot of energy practitioners, and when I say energy workers, I really mean anyone who's doing muscle testing, anyone who's doing body work, you could be a massage therapist, a chiropractor. If you're hands-on in someone else's field, Um, multiple people's fields all day, you're going to be taking on other people's energy and creating energetic attachments. But a lot of energy workers are doing cleansing and clearing practices that are not sufficient. And this is what I've discovered. And it's really key to just bringing your own energy back to you and leaving everything else outside of your field so that other people's energy is not pulling on you. And these things can make a huge difference in your energy and in your physical health. So I've learned some things that are techniques that um, I never saw anybody else using before. And these are things that I've learned through medical intuition. And Tina Zion, who taught that course, she said, you know, to everyone in the class, she said, please teach this. Like, you know, drop my name, but please teach this because it really needs to be known that energy workers are often needing to properly clear their field and not take on other people's stuff. And it's something that she has seen as a huge problem consistently throughout her whole life. And I've seen it with every client that I've worked with who thought that they were clearing things And they were amazed at how many attachments they actually had. So I feel like that's a really easy way to start. And it's kind of like the most important thing that pops into my mind. But beyond that, I have ideas for like more of, you know, more of a long-term course. There's too many, too many things flowing in (laughs) 
right now, which is exciting because, you know, I'm like, Ooh, and I could do this and I could do this. And so I just try to tune into, okay, what's the most important thing that I need to start with? What do people need to know? And just go from there. Yeah. I feel that too. I always have like a giant to-do list of ideas, but then you have to really sit down and focus on what the most important one is and what, what's the most needed at the time and what do you have enough energy for? So that's exciting. Um, definitely keep me updated and we can always add it to the show notes, like whenever it's available. Uh, so the last question I like to ask everyone is what has been one of your biggest life lessons? Mm. It's a big one. <laughs> life lessons. You have to speak your truth. You have to speak your truth. It's probably the most critical thing, both for your soul and your physical health. And this has been huge for me because most of my life, I just literally did everything that everybody else expected me to do, put myself last in every way, never spoke in any circumstance about what might be bothering me or speaking my needs in relationships with friends, family, work scenarios. And I've seen what that does to your physical self and your emotional self. You know, it's not really possible to have good self-esteem if you're not speaking your truth. And so I see this coming up with clients again and again and again. And it doesn't mean that you have to just charge out into the world and just start, you know, screaming what you think at everyone, but just like little, just little moments where you can say, you know, actually what I think is this, or the way you said that to me hurt my feelings, or, you know, it can be really small changes where you just start to speak your truth. And then, and then in a bigger way, showing people who you are, like me doing this work, I had to step through a lot of fears of what will people think if they don't resonate, if their religious beliefs are different. And the thing is, I have to follow my soul's purpose. So if I suppressed this and just pretended like, nope, I'm not intuitive. I just, I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing and just ignore what, I, where I've been called to, I know that that would have a physical effect on my health. I think that if only we were all taught as children to speak our truth and, and shine bright for who we are and to let go of the worry of judgment, I feel like we'd have a, a very different world. Oh, yes, for sure. Well said. And I can't remember who said this. It was either like Peter Levine or Dr. Stephen Porges. And one of them said, our world will not heal until everyone has a regulated nervous system. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. part, of, part of that is being able to express yourself and not holding on to those like shame and guilt and those emotions that keep your nervous system tight and in fear, fight or flight. So relaxation of all of that can come from releasing all those beliefs about what you have to do, who you are, and just tuning into who you actually are and, 
how you actually want to be. And then everything relaxes. Those physical symptoms start relaxing and dropping. Yep. I couldn't agree more. All right. Awesome. So let everyone know where they can find you before we wrap up. Yes. So my new Instagram page is complete body energy healing. I did have a previous page that got hacked and (laughs) that's a long story, but I'm not using that one anymore. So my new one, it has no posts whatsoever. I, I tend to kind of live in my stories. That's where you'll find me, but I will start posting content soon, but yes, complete body energy healing don't have a website. You know, I just don't want to make one. (laughs) I, you know, I'll get to it at some point. Yeah. You you really don't need one. You don't, you don't. It's just another like thing on the to-do list that isn't really critical. Mm -hmm. So yeah, find me on my Instagram and my link to book services is right there on my, um, on my main page on my link tree. And yeah, I would love to connect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And it was just really inspiring to hear your whole story and hear exactly how you're you know, putting back your passion into the world and helping other people. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Healer Revolution podcast. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, please do me a favor and like, subscribe, leave a comment, anything that can help get this information out to more people who may be struggling. You can also find me online at thehealerrevolution.com or amandapanacea.com. And you can also find me on Instagram at amandapanacea. Thank you so much for joining the revolution.